Hi, I'm Luann Botta, and I'm Marianne Crum. You know, lots of things may be in short supply these days, but hope doesn't have to be one of them. Join us for the next 30 minutes or so, and we'll remind you how you can live with unquenchable hope. Hey, everybody. We have a special treat today. Luann and I have the privilege of meeting a lady that, I mean, you just know when you meet her, there's something going on with her and the Lord that you want to know more about. And I have gotten little snippets of her story from my pastor's wife, Kim, who's a longtime friend of mine. And she was telling me about this great lady named Maddie, who was her new hero and role model. And I, knowing how Kim (laughs) loves the Lord... For her to call somebody her hero, I thought, man, I got to meet this chick. <laughs> so anyway, and Luann met her because they were painting. Yes, I did. And it's so funny because I had people saying to me, you need to meet Maddie. I, you guys I was would thinking have a that whole too. Lot. I yes, was like, oh, man, Luann needs to meet Maddie. <laughs> and so we actually had the opportunity about two weeks ago, I believe it was, mm-hmm. we were painting the pastors and his wife, something for them. And it was only Maddie and I in the room. And I'm going to tell you what I got from it because I was listening to her story, which I am thrilled that all of you out there will be able to hear. But you know, Maddie, when you call the father Abba, mm-hmm. it had such a meaning to me. Like it went really deep into my spirit. Mm. There was a sovereignty to that name. Mm-hmm. And an intimacy. In an intimacy Mm -hmm. that it just really penetrated me. And I told that to every person that I told that I spoke with you (laughs) that day. She really did. Because I did, when you said Abba, I know who you mean, obviously, but it was like daddy and that meant a lot. Mm. I, I love that because he gave me the opportunity to meet him at a very young age when I was in a foster home. I'll start my story, but about that, I have learned over these last, I'd say, seven or eight years, I have a very distinct relationship with each component of the Trinity. Oh, gosh. But that's where my testimony begins, was with the Trinity. Backtrack, I was born to a Jewish family, Hmm. and I had a twin. Hold on one second. Oh, sorry. Because I, no, no, no. That's just because I want to introduce you. That was a perfect thing what you said. We didn't say your whole name. (laughs) Oh, that's okay. I think we should. It's not that important. (laughs) No, it is. Absolutely. This is Maddie Riley, Mm -hmm. and she is a missionary in East Africa, Mm -hmm. and you've been there for one year. One year. I didn't mean to interrupt her. No, no, no. But I wanted you guys to know who you were listening to, that she has an incredible story. So I'm sorry, Maddie, go ahead. So born, but (laughs) uh, preemie, and to a Jewish family. And my twin brother, he was three pounds and two ounces, and I was two pounds and three ounces. Really? And back then, they were like, oh, they're going to die. And then we didn't die. Then they're like, well, they're going to be retarded. And then Mark was not retarded. I, I may have been slightly, but <laughs> I don't I'm think kidding. So. I'm totally kidding. kidding. <laughs> yeah. I'm totally kidding. So then they were like, well, they're not going to walk. They'll have developmental delays. Well, when we were about six months, my mom left my dad and we were out on the West Coast and she moved us to upstate New York to a foster home. And it was a Jewish Hasidic foster home. So very religious people. And Wait, so you moved with her? She moved us to a foster home, and then she went and lived in the city. Oh, okay. Yeah, she gave us up. Oh, my gosh. Oh, wow. And so 
we were there, and sadly, we were being abused by the people in the family. And one night, I, I was about two and a half or three, and it was during the holiday Sukkot, which is mm-hmm. the festival of the booze. Mm-hmm. Yes. So the family was out, and they were staying in the tent in the backyard. Oh. And they had friends and relatives. And Mark and I were not allowed to participate in anything with this family. We didn't eat with them. We didn't play with their ch- nothing. We were isolated oh and then abused. Oh. So it was one night during Sukkot, and I woke up and... I heard all the music and, you know, laughter, and I walked over to, in our bedroom, we shared a bedroom, and I walked over to our windows, and I looked out, and I'll never forget, like, talking to God. I didn't even know that who God was yet, but I, I remember feeling so alone. I am mm-hmm. so alone mm-hmm. in two this and world. A half. Uh-huh. Two and a half wow. or three. Did your mom ever come see you? Occasionally. Okay. Occasionally. Did she know what was going on with you? No. No. But Jesus came mm-hmm. that night in that room. The Holy Spirit showed up. And then my brother woke up, and he came up next to me, and it was a very prophetic moment for me. He put his little arm around me, and he patted my shoulder, and he, he called me Matt. He's like, it's okay, Matt. It's going to be okay. Oh. And then we went back to bed. Several years later, my mom came and got us. I was six, and the first thing that I asked her, I'll never forget, we were sitting in her apartment in New York City, and I was sitting at the edge of her bed, and I asked her, I said, Mom, where did we come from? And so very scientifically, she wasn't a scientist, but she's like, (laughs) um, she's a numbers kind of woman, accountant type, and she's like, well, you know, there's a sperm and an egg, and I was like, yeah, yeah, I get that. I was six. I'm like, I, I, I was, I'm a scientist. I get that. Where did we come from? And, wow. and she didn't have an answer. So fast forward a few more years and I'm 10 and we went to Puerto Rico for a two week vacation and we ended up staying for a couple of years. Oh, wow. So yeah, I call my mom lovingly the gypsy. <laughs> the gypsy had us there. She's like, Oh, what do y'all think about? You want, you want to live here? We're like, yes, it's a beautiful island. Wow. Anyway, so we went to school and did all that. But Where we lived on the little cul-de-sac, there was a Catholic church right across the street from our little house, and I was fascinated with that place. And I would watch, and on Saturday nights, all the people would go, and the women would put something on their head, and they would go in there. So I would sneak in there during the week. The doors were always open, so it wasn't really sneaking, but I would go in there, and they always had this beautiful organ kind of music playing. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. And I'd get a napkin or a paper towel because <laughs> yeah. I didn't have what they had. Yeah. And I would put it on my head and I would go in there and I would sit in the very back pew and I would just sit there and weep. Wow. As a little kid. Ten. As a ten-year-old. So can I back up just one second? When you said Jesus came to you. he it, I didn't see him, his presence. It was like the Shekinah glory of but God. But you knew. I knew. Even though I was two Jewish, and a half, I just knew that that was something holy. I knew that. Th- that was me not being alone. It is okay, he told me, and then he said, it's going to be okay, which so was... were you being trained in the Jewish no, faith No, because point? this family didn't... Because they wouldn't let you do anything. No, they, we didn't have okay, any sorry, interaction. I just but later, what, of course, you know, we had yeah. 
religious relatives and all of the, you know, mm-hmm. holidays, yes. etc. My mom was not religious. Okay. So that's why she couldn't answer the question, where did we come from? Yeah, yeah. Yes. Okay. I'm sorry. No, no. So Puerto Rico. And then we moved back to the States and did um, high school. And when I was coming to college in South Carolina, I oh. stayed in a hotel. I was traveling to get down to South oh, Carolina because oh, gotcha, gotcha. I was living right outside of Boston. That's where high school was oh, after Puerto Rico. How did you end up in South Carolina? I got accepted. I got a ride uh, to USC and so okay. scholarship. And so, so all that you walk through and here you're quite smart mm. and you get yourself a, a full scholarship. Yeah. Well, okay. So I have ADD. And when I was in fourth grade, I got right before Puerto Rico, I got kicked out of fourth grade. They didn't know what to do with me. I would ask questions mm. and my brain worked really fast. Yes. <laughs> and so people with ADD out there, just be encouraged. Just know you are super smart, but you process things differently. Mm. And so people with ADD are often very big picture people and analytical as well. Mm. And so their brains are moving at a really rapid pace. Mm. And so that can be really difficult for a teacher because finally she was like, oh, she she got to go. (laughs) So so they sent me to this special ed class. And all we did, all I remember was going home and saying, Mark, what are you learning today? He's like, multiplication and division. I'm like, can you show me? Because what we were doing is playing up on the roof of the public school in New York City. Oh, Oh my god! That's what we were doing. We were just playing. Yeah, that's all we did. Oh, anyway, so my yeah, goodness. so that, but then the next year we moved to Puerto Rico and Man. I went to regular school, learned a new language, you know, all yeah. that. Anyway, so after that, going to college, I always knew I wanted to be a nurse. I have no idea how, it was just God. Anyway, so I got accepted. On the way there, I stayed in a hotel mm-hmm. and I opened up the bedside drawer next to the bed and there was a Bible yeah. in there. And something told me, you need that book. So I took it. <laughs> and okay. then I started school and then I finished and I started working at the hospital and I was 23 and the Lord sent a young lady to come and work as a secretary in the intensive care unit. And one night she had a pin on her lab coat and it was a rainbow and a dove. And the Holy Spirit prompted me. He's like, ask her about that. And so I asked her, I'm like, Deanne, that's some sort of religious pin, isn't it? And she started laughing. She's like, no, it's not religious. I'm like, yeah, but what does it mean? And she said, well, it symbolizes the Trinity. I was like, the Trinity, yeah. What is that? (laughs) And so so she said, well, do you have a Bible? And I was like, well, yes, I do. I stole one from a hotel room. I think there's a support group for people that have stolen Gideon Bibles in hotel rooms. There's a special room in heaven for the Gideon people and those who have stolen the Bible. That's right. What a ministry. And and I did. And so she said, well, you go home and you read John chapter 3. I went home and accidentally read First John chapter three and gave my heart to the Lord. I didn't know how, like you know, the prayer. I just said to Him, mm-hmm. God, this is it. This is what I have knew. been waiting for. This is You. This is who I've been searching for. Anyway, so a couple of days later, she took me to church with her, and after the service, I went up front. I'm like, Hey, I'm Maddie. What do I have to do to get saved? And they said the <laughs> prayer with me, and then a couple of days after that. Deanne and another girl took me to the beach and they water baptized no me way. on the Isle of Palms. Oh, and I then, love it there. but on the ride over, they started telling me, they're like, you know, there's another gift 
that mm. the Father will give you if you want it. And I'm like, yes, I love gifts. <laughs> so they said a few scriptures that are wrapped into that. You know, if you ask God for bread, is he going to give you a snake? You know, yeah. those things just to build my faith. And then we came up out of the water and walked up to our towels on the beach, and they said, okay, we're just going to lay our hands on you and pray. They prayed in their prayer languages, and immediately up out of me came my prayer language. Sweet. And that was so important in my journey because he sealed me. Mm. He sealed me that day. He was real. And that's how I started the journey. And then a month after I got saved, he spoke to me and said, I'm calling you to Africa. Well, embarrassingly enough, I sold everything I owned right then. I was like, okay, I'm ready to go. And he's like, oh, girl, you need to settle down. Buy yourself another car and you keep working. And now is not the time. And so I had a lot of zeal, a lot of zeal, not enough knowledge, but a lot of zeal. Anyway, through the years, I married. And this is, you know, the good, bad, the ugly. I gave you permission to ask Uh, all of it. Here's the thing I want to encourage people out there with. The broken places that are in our hearts, that are part of our souls, we have to submit those fully Mm. to Jesus. Because when we don't, we don't stay on the narrow path. Mm. We go to the wider path because Mm. we don't have the wisdom to know how to be unbroken. Right. How to get well. Yeah. We yes. have to be on that narrow path. Now, you know, seven years uh, after I got saved, I was in a little Pentecostal church, learned all the things, spiritual mm-hmm. things. It was a great beginning. But I was 30. And I was starting to feel kind of like, oh, when will I get married? Yes. You know, all the things, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so I met someone, and he was church approved, right? Mm. Not a good man. Oh, my. Not a good man. He was abusive, not physically, emotionally and mentally. Yeah, it was very hard. And he just broke me. Mm. He just broke me. But we got married. I was 32 and then had a a miscarriage. It was a little boy, my first one, Timothy. But then I had Hannah, Sarah, and Graham, all 14 months apart. And then I had to leave him. And I did. And I really suffered in that because, you know, I felt like the scarlet letter. Oh, yes. I was a oh, woman. Yeah, you had to it was terrible. Yeah, yeah, I just yeah. yeah, and it wasn't for infidelity. Although I did find out some very important things later that helped me forgive myself, mm-hmm. you know, for making that decision. Mm-hmm. Well, I was still pretty broken. Sure. After mm-hmm. all that. Still were walking you still at this church? No. After we married, we were with that church. But then after I was no longer married to him, I moved from South Carolina to Indiana. Ah, that's where I'm from. Mm -hmm. I did that, Lord forgive me, but strategically, I married someone that was from there just to get away from him. Okay. Where was it in Indiana? Rockville. You are kidding me. No, the little town. I worked in the little clinic. That's where my mom is from. That's the Covered Bridge Festival, all that. My grandparents lived there. It's a very small world. It was lovely. It was cold. It was really cold. That's why I'm here. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) Wait, I can't get over this. This is a teeny tiny little town. (laughs) 
And I worked in the little square in the in the clinic yeah. there. Yeah. So after I became a nurse, a couple of years into marriage, I went to graduate school and I did a master's in, in community slash public health. And through a supernatural experience, I was going for a PhD in public health. That's my real wow. passion. But a girl that I had gone to undergrad school with, she came to work one night in the ICU and I had a patient that was not doing well. And she was who was on call to help fix the problem in this patient's head. Mm. She drilled a hole in the patient's head. And after she did the procedure, I was like, girl, how did you <laughs> acquire that skill set? <laughs> now that oh, you saved my yeah. patient's life, because we were last together in undergrad school, she had gone to the medical university and become a nurse practitioner, and her specialty was neuro. So she asked wow. me about what I was doing. I was like, yeah, I'm looking for PhD programs in public health. And this was a divine moment. She looked at me and she said, well, you don't want to do that. And sassy me on the inside, I was thinking, what do I want to do? So I asked her, I was like, well, what do I want to do? (laughs) And she said, well, you want to go check out the nurse practitioner program at the medical university in South Carolina. And this is still all while I was in South Carolina. And then after I became an NP... Then I went started medical school, met the guy from Indiana. Okay, in medical de- school. Decided to marry him yeah. so I could go to Indiana to get away. Right. So, okay, uh, six months into the marriage, he started dating the patients that we were taking care of. Oh, and I was like, my. okay, that's not going to work. So came back to South Carolina and continued to work. And do Where it. was Jesus in all this? Jesus the, was where, all in there. With all, you. With me. Yes. All in there. Did this guy yeah. present himself as a Christian too? Yeah. yeah. <sighs> oh, man. Church going Baptist, you know. But so here's where I started veering from the really narrow path to okay. the wider path. Because I made a decision mm-hmm. to marry him, to get away. Did you mm-hmm. get warning signs with both of these guys that maybe they were wolves in yes. sheep's clothing? You did? Yes. And that's the, we that's all the most embarrassing part, no, I mean, the shameful no. part. No, is that I did. Yeah. And I, I just... Here's what you people out there need to know. What you want and what God wants for you may be different, Mm. but you should follow what he wants for you because that's where you're going to find peace and contentment. When you do what you want and you follow your own way, you land in trouble. Yes. And that's a guarantee. Yes. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts and his ways are higher than ours, but... People do stupid things, and I did, and and I, I've suffered for it. Mm-hmm. I certainly have. A lot of times we've talked about on our podcast that there's a path of life. Oh, right. And then if you take there's any other path, path that leads which, to death. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So and it can be little deaths. Yes. It can be one yes. big death. It can be one big blow or just yeah. consecutive blows. But yeah. it, I'm a slow learner. Well, you, yeah. you had a lot to overcome from the beginning too, though. Like you it said, it doesn't we, really matter. When we have those broken places. That's make, the part that matters. We can make yes. some bad decisions have to, until God heals those. Right. We yes. have to submit in the process of the healing yeah. in order not to make the bad decisions. Mm-hmm. Right. That's the point mm-hmm. I'm making about all of this. So I went back to South Carolina, and over the years, being in South Carolina, being in Indiana, and then back in South Carolina, I did a lot of short-term missions. Oh, you did? Okay. Now, when God called me, Mm -hmm. it was a month after I got saved, and I went to the church, and I talked to the pastors, and one of the pastor's wives said this to me. She said, 
the Africa that you think is not the mm-hmm. Africa that I'm sending you to, mm-hmm. but I'm sending you deep into the land of darkness to bring light to many. And again, my sassy little stuff, I thought on the inside, I didn't say it on the outside, on the inside, I was like, lady, you do not know. God called me to Africa wow. and I knew it, mm-hmm. but I just tucked it away. Fast forward over the 40 years, I've done lots and lots of short-term missions. So two years ago, I was in Guatemala. And this lady comes up to me and she says, God told me to anoint you with oil and pray over you. I was like, okay. And so she did. And what God said in the prayer was, now's the time. And I knew exactly what he meant. I was like, yay. Because your (laughs) kids are all grown, right? And on their own, Mm -hmm. all fine. So I go and I tell the team that I'm with, yeah, this lady came up and said, and they're like, oh, Maddie, you got to go home and you got to talk to the pastor. And so I prayed and I'm like, well, Abba, do I need to talk to anybody? He's like, no. He said, I'm going to open the door. (laughs) I'm going to open the door and I'm going to bring it right to you. I was like, okay, that's cool. So I get back to South Carolina, and the next week, I'm at my church, and I am sitting at a table in this room, and we're doing this class. It's called Connect. Well, this young lady is sitting at my table, and I don't know her. So I go up, and I'm like, hi, how are you? I'm Maddie. Who are you? She's like, my name's Alyssa. I'm like, okay, Alyssa, tell me about you. She's like, well, I just moved here from Indiana. My grandmother bought some land, and we're you know building houses. But I have just spent the last three and a half years in Africa as a missionary. (laughs) And I'm looking at her and my heart rate goes up and I'm like, Abba, could this be you opening the door and bringing it right to me? Check it out. I'm like, oh, we're in Africa. She's like East Africa. And she tells me, there are hundreds of islands off the coast. I did not even know that. I didn't that. know that either. Mm-hmm. But guess no what? Clue. She starts telling me about these places that she's been ministering to mm-hmm. an all-Muslim population. And the Holy Spirit says, remember the word, the prophecy spoken over you, the Africa that you think. And I was like, well, yes, sir, I really do remember that. <laughs> I do. And uh, he said, what you didn't know is that there are hundreds of islands off the coast around Africa. And so that's how I found out where I was supposed to start my journey in Africa. Wow. Before I went to the field, the Lord spoke to me again and said, so now you know where you're starting. He said, but in your ministry, in your latter years, it's going to be apostolic. Mm. And I was like, Yeah, I I get apostolic, kind of, but what does that mean for me? Mm -hmm. Because I talked to the people on the ground, my new team, and I told them what I felt like the Lord had said. And they're like, well, Maddie, that's not really a thing. Like, we go, we establish deep roots, and we stay. (laughs) Okay, so last year while I was in Africa, we went to a meeting, and a young man got up and spoke, Mm -hmm. and he said... What I've been doing for the last two years is the Lord has been sending me from place to place to place to so good. minister and preach the gospel to different people groups that have never heard the name of Jesus. Which is apostolic, right? Exactly. Yes. And then the Lord said, it's okay. That person on that team doesn't do that, but this is something that I'm doing, yes. and I've already told you that I'm doing this with you so you can expect it. It was during that same meeting that the Lord showed me where I will be heading next. And mm. he started asking me, are you willing 
to go to a more dangerous place. And I was like, more dangerous than where we've been? (laughs) And he's like, yeah. And I was like, yes, I am. And so I've been introduced to the team leaders that I think will probably be my next assignment after I spend more time in East Africa training. I will head out to a place in North Africa, Mm. which I can't name. Right. But. Wow. So that's my story. Wow. And we're going to pick up on this yeah. in the next episode. because there There's so much in what you just said. I know. I have so like, many yeah, questions. Yes. And you have I'm us sure. totally enthralled. We're, yeah, we're going to wind up yes. this one, and we'll pick it up here next time. Yes, we will. Thank you. Thanks for joining us today. If this podcast encouraged you, it might encourage someone else too. So please share it and share some hope. <laughs>